What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with Norm. George Went from Cheers. If you missed part one after you listen to this one, go back, check that out. This week we talk a lot more about uh, Cheers, his time on Broadway, and lots of interesting stuff. So here again, part two with George Went on Hollywood and Levine. What was it like being on a hit TV series? For all those years. Boy, that, that must have really been an experience of a lifetime. It, it indeed was. I mean, uh, yeah. I, it's like a nirvana, really. I mean, it's, the, it's you know, have a role like that, you know, hit and run, you know, sit there. You know, sit there, literally sit there the entire time <laughs> with like some of the you know, most amazing comedy writers of the era just giving me the greatest jokes. It's, uh, it was, uh, it was heaven. I remember when we went back to Boston for the 200th episode and they had a big parade for you guys. And it was like following around the Beatles. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it, 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 they said it was, as many people as turned out for the Pope and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, you had more Jews show up for the cheers thing. <laughs> Were you nervous when Shelley left that the show might not survive? Not, not, not as much as you'd think. I mean, it was, it was a kind of a mind fuck. Um, but at this point you had to have faith in the writers because if anyone's going to dig their way out of that, you know, and also, you know, uh, um, romantic comedy, I'm not telling you, but say perhaps anyone listening, <laughs> romantic comedy is, um, is not an all day sucker. It's a uh, boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. And after that, it turns into a domestic comedy. Um, and the boys were not interested in, in uh, a domestic comedy. And so in a way, you know, I'm sure they would have liked if Shelley stayed. But in a way, uh, it, it, the romantic comedy had sort of played itself out. Uh, 
you know, and it was remarkable that uh, you guys were able to uh, keep it as as uh, alive as as you did. Well, I think adding the character of Rebecca Howe, the Kirstie Alley character, um, gave us more stories. It gave us some new directions and in a sense was kind of like a shot of adrenaline for the series. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the, the seemed like the initial intent was another boy meets girl, but, uh, you know, Kirstie just, you know, the, her character, the way she, her take on everything, um, was just a little too, um, whack, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, it just wasn't uh, the same as Sam and Diane. So it uh, it took this other life, which... She uh, was a character. Remember her very first table reading? Yeah. She came in in a blonde wig yeah. to look like yeah. Shelley. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never forget her, her exit in the uh, series finale. Um, I mean, I remember thinking to myself, God, if we were to somehow come back she would have to be in the loony bed or something. She, she, <laughs> so gone. Yeah. yeah, but but that's what made her funny. Because when yeah. she started, she was kind of a martinet, and it was hard to mine yeah. comedy out of yeah. that. But once once we keyed in to her <laughs> being funny when she was a mess, <laughs> then. <laughs> then we were able to really write to her. So it's now the middle of the 11th season and uh, Teddy decides he doesn't want to do the show anymore. And the decision is made to end the show after that season. What were your feelings? Did you feel, yeah, it was time or did you want to go another year or two? What did you think? Um, There were times in the uh, latter half of it, you know, where I thought, oh, you know, maybe... You know, maybe you know I should try something out. You know, <laughs> but those quickly passed, um, and uh, so I would have uh, been on board for. I'd still be on board. Um, <laughs> That's the way I felt too. I mean, we yeah. wrote forty episodes of Cheers, and I never got tired writing those characters. I always loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Something special about that show. Yeah. So for the final episode, we were all in Boston again at the Bull and Finch watching the the series finale. And now I got to ask you, a half an hour after the show ended and we were all upstairs and it was very emotional and everyone was hugging and crying and everything else. So they come to get you guys to go downstairs to the bar to do the Tonight Show with Jay Leno live. And that was an absolute train wreck. Yeah. (laughs) What have you guys were like in no condition emotionally to go on live television for an hour and a half? Yeah. Emotionally and also chemically, we were in no condition. Um, you know, we, we were just shit-faced, a lot yeah. of us. Yeah. Uh, we, we, it was a two-hour show, as I don't have to remind you. Uh, and, uh, man, uh, you know, we didn't think to uh, eat or they didn't really feed us. We were just getting hammered and more hammered and more hammered. 
And then we thought, oh yeah, no, no big, we'll do a bit, you know, with Jay Leno. Um, you know, I could, not only were we hammered and rude and, you know, like um, sort of, you know, being, you know, weird, uh, but um, Jay, frankly, was uh, very green at that moment. He, yep. I think he was only on the job for a few weeks. Yeah, I said if Letterman were running that show, it would have gone very differently. Yeah, or or uh, a more experienced Jay or, you know, whatever, Johnny, of course. Johnny, and, certainly. Yeah. <clears throat> but So uh, not blaming Jay, but um, it was a bad idea, bad circumstance, bad... Uh, Did you know at the time when you were doing the show that... Oh my God! This is just going off the rails. Or did you guys think you were hilarious? Well, I think we thought we were uh, attempting to uh, just be ourselves and be, you know, kind of funny and hilarious and and entertaining. But uh, we, you know, I knew it was like icky because you know Jay and his producers were not. They they looked like really. Uh, they looked beside themselves. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they weren't um, rolling with it. Uh, you should have seen the looks upstairs when we were all watching it. And it was like that scene in the movie, The Producers, during springtime for Hitler, <laughs> when everyone is just staring dumbfounded. <laughs> 84 million people watch that show. I don't oh, think that's no. ever going to happen again. Wow. Yeah. So life after Cheers, was it a big adjustment? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm still adjusting. <laughs> well, was it uh, a, a, a big letdown? Um, you yeah. certainly worked. I checked your IMDb page, and <laughs> you're listed for like 155 different acting assignments on various shows. So you, you certainly have worked since Cheers, but still... Yeah. What was that like coming well, down it, from that? It was, it was, uh, it sucked, you know, like, um, to go from, uh, top of the world, uh, you know, best possible situation to, uh, you know, even if you got work, it'd be like, Ooh, everyone's sweating bullets cause it's a network run through or, you know, or the studios here and everyone's, you know, being a nervous Nelly and, and, you know, in our day, you guys, you know, protected us um, from, you know, like I didn't, you know, you know, I didn't, even, I wasn't even aware of uh, any presence, you know, uh, like you know, Warren Littlefield would be around, John Pike would be around, uh, Symes, you know, like there, there'd be, you'd see some some suits, but they, they were like so mellow and easy, and just wanted to be part of the gang. You know, it wasn't, there was no adversarial. Uh, so that's, you know, as you know, uh, you know, it's, it's like you got to do a, a table read in front of like 200 people. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, uh, everybody gets a vote about everything. And, and uh, that didn't, you know, if that was happening during Cheers, uh, we certainly, I certainly were shielded uh, from that. You know, most of the time they let us go, even in the beginning, although it's interesting. I've told this story before. Brandon Tartikoff, you know, 
the alum from Second City, said to us at the very beginning, look, you guys are doing great work. Don't listen to notes. Don't listen to different suggestions. Just do what you are doing. And we said, great. And then like three weeks later and the numbers came out and he said, what if you change the opening titles? What if you did more, you know, normal opening titles where you see the actors and stuff? So it's like it's Brandon who gave us the note. But uh, no, for the most part, they pretty much left us alone, which when you think about it, especially in the beginning when our numbers were dismal, uh, it was perfectly normal for them to panic and want to make mid-course corrections, but they uh, they let us alone, which uh, God bless Brandon and NBC and Grant Tinker, and it also helped that they didn't have anything else in development nearly as good as this, so there was really nothing to replace us with. Yeah, it was a it was a luck of timing uh, in many ways uh, because uh, yeah, the, Tinker had just been installed uh, as the head of NBC, and mm-hmm. his his mandate was uh, uh, we're going to leave th- we're going to put what we perceive to be quality programming on the air and leave it there until the audience finds it, and uh, we uh, we lucked into that groove. Because I maintain, and okay, I I may be biased, certainly, but I maintained the first year of Cheers was the best. The first year of Cheers, I would put up against any season of any other sitcom. And I think when the the season ended with Sam and Diane finally kissing, if you remember, the audience went absolutely batshit at that moment. And I was standing on the floor and I turned to my partner, David Isaacs, and I said, we've peaked. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing else we can do with these characters that is going to get this kind of reaction. They sleep together, whatever. It's it's not going to be the same as this. And um, so like you were saying, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep the romantic comedy on again, off again. They're together. They break up. uh, There's a triangle. uh, You know, uh, it's hard to keep that going for five years. And um, I think we pretty much exhausted it. Do you think we... uh is there a moment that we jumped the shark? I wonder. I remember there was an episode where Rebecca's high school boyfriend comes back and she always had a crush on him. And the big reveal at the end of the show was that he's gay. And they used Harvey Firestein. Wow. And I remember thinking... How could she not know <laughs> that he's gay? He's gay. Now, you directed an episode. You directed oh. an episode that David and I wrote, and I'm looking, and it seems to be your only directing credit. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, I suppose it might have been, uh, you know, something I, I would have worked harder at, if, but... 
I stayed lucky on the acting side for a while. So um, uh, I, it was not a passion of mine. Um, well, you did a good job. Oh well, thanks. You know, it was it was a it was a quite an experience uh, to for the audience. Uh, you know, like um, I uh, Jim Burroughs got ill uh, pneumonia of all things, and uh, it was quite sudden. You know, you had to you had to stay off work, and so uh, I was thrown into the breach. And working with the cast was a blast, and. Um, um, but it was a it was a pretty gag heavy show. I mean, there was a bra a brawl with Eddie LeBeck's uh, escapades, <laughs> former hockey players guys, and you know, like I didn't know anything about stunt coordinating or what I wanted. You know, thank God it was such a a good team. You know, uh, also for fuck's sake, Lofaro, our longtime AD, who could have helped, took a commercial in japan or something that <laughs> maybe that's why burroughs called out sick <laughs> but, um, uh, so uh i it really was upon uh the camera coordinator because i i just didn't know anything about ca the cameras um and uh you know uh, so i spent the whole weekend blocking the show meticulously and i come in and i've gone okay uh, a camera, X camera, this, that. And then Bill Fraley, uh, the camera coordinator at the time, calls me over discreetly and said, George, if you've got, uh, you know, a single of so-and-so in uh, X camera, you're going to want the the, uh, the revert, you know, the opposite shot to be the same size. And I was like, oh, so my everything, all my like a notebook worth of blocking moves. Throw it out the window. All you have to do is make one change in that sequence, and it throws everything off. Yeah, yeah completely gone. So uh, I I learned a lot, and uh, <laughs> it's funny because I'd go, huh, huh. Let's see, uh, Bruce to this camera operator, Bruce, Bruce, uh, can you? And he he shows me a shot. He like looks at me like you fucking moron. I've already I'm already <laughs> on it. You know? <laughs> and Jimmy, on the other hand, was so facile in cameras, he wasn't even watching the monitors. He would oh. just be, Vonnie up the line, you give me a single, set for the door, he's coming around, go with him, do, you know, and yeah. they knew what he was talking about. He'd block a show in, in a half an hour, and yeah. you were probably there till 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... um I'll never forget Jimmy's uh, greatest directions to me were um, um, I'd be sitting there and, and uh, cameras trying to get, uh, I don't know, get us um, over the show, over my shoulder onto Ted. And uh, Jimmy would come up behind me and tap me and he'd whisper, Georgie, left cheek. <laughs> so I'd shift my weight ever so slightly to clear Sam for the camera. <laughs> and then, and then he'd go, okay, Georgie, right cheek, right cheek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was it like, uh, giving acting notes <laughs> to your cast? It's like suddenly you're one of the team and now you're their boss. Well, they, they didn't need a whole lot of help. Um, you know, uh, we, we, I did come up with one gag 
um, you know, like there was a Jimmy-esque uh, touch, was um, getting a, a stunt trampoline uh, to have Rebecca leap over the bar. That was uh, a very to, funny bit, yeah. To, to meet the critic. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, so it was mainly just, it was a big old bunch of nothing, really. You know, the script was solid and and they knew exactly what they were doing. I don't know what year it was, probably like seven or eight. Or seven, eight, something like that, yeah. Mention Harvey Firestein, and you went into Broadway replacing him in Hairspray, playing yes. Edna. <laughs> well, it's so. Harvey's role. Um, we all just rented it, mm-hmm. uh, the, the subsequent uh, Edna's. Uh, but it was really, really fun. Um, and, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was great. Was Darlene Love in it when you were in it? Sorry? Was Darlene Love in it when oh, you were there? Yes, yes, she was. Yeah. She sang two songs to me on stage. Wow. Every eight shows a week. is so fucking great. Wow. Um, yeah, the act one closer. and uh, yeah. How long were you in uh, Hairspray? A little over a year uh, on Broadway, and then uh, I did it. A couple other times in Canada, actually. Eight uh, performances a week. It's got to be a grind after a while. Yeah, but you fall into a rhythm, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it feels good. It's like a workout. And you've done uh, a lot of theater. I know you also did 12 Angry Men. You did art in yeah. London and on Broadway. That's a yeah. difficult play. That's just three actors on stage talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never shutting up. Mm-hmm. Just blah blah blah. But it, it's it's really it's a it's a little gem. It always always works. Who else was in it when you were on Broadway? Okay, uh, first I started in the West End with uh, Stacy Keach and the late David Dukes. Okay, and then uh, we did that for about six months, and then uh, they offered it to us on Broadway for some reason. Stacy couldn't do it, and I don't know what happened with Dukes. So I did it on Broadway with Judd Hirsch in Stacy's role and Joe Morton in uh, David Dukes' role, um, the guy who buys the painting. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I played uh, Fred uh, Fred Molina's role, uh, the Ivan, the guy in the middle between the two. Yeah, I, I actually saw it in London, not with you. But as I seem to recall, it's two guys talking about a third guy. Were you the third guy? Well, what it was is it's two two guys, lifelong friends. One of them buys a painting that is entirely white, white on white canvas, mm-hmm. and uh, he pays three hundred fifty thousand for it. And the crabby guy can't just can't wrap his head around that. So they just argue incessantly. And uh, my character is Ivan. He's the, uh, sort of the third wheel in this relationship, and he's getting married. <laughs> and uh, he's a wreck. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, he basically, they, they beat him to a pulp. Uh, 
you know, uh, figure. They're trying to each get you to align with them, I think, right? Yeah. 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 And, You're also a 12 angry man. Yeah. Yeah. People say, what, what was your role? And I go, uh, number one. And they go, uh, oh, who's that? I go, you know, the foreman. You know, okay. And I go, okay, Martin Balsam. You know, because that's All what right. they want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Who was Henry Fonda? Richard Thomas was Henry Fonda. Who was, you know, Jack Klugman, Jack fucking and... Warden. I mean, that, that cast from that movie is like the... Uh, just the pantheon of characters. Oh, yeah. Writers. Yeah, great movie. Sidney Lumet directed it. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting, if you watch the movie, he does something very interesting visually, how the movie starts out and you're pretty much in master shots where you're seeing 12 of them. And then as the movie unfolds, it starts getting closer and closer and closer so that it's way more claustrophobic as the movie goes on. Wow. Yeah. Never, Very cool. Really Here's the other that. thing. So I started to say, and you did death of a salesman. I did. Yeah. <laughs> that nearly killed me too. <laughs> That's nearly uh, killed lots of actors. Where did oh. you do that? I did that in Canada, uh, in Ontario, um, uh, small theater, um, uh, near Stratford. It actually was filled with Stratford, uh, cast and director and, um, uh, crew, you know, uh, the designers and everything. So it was, it was a cool production, but, uh, honest to God, man, there's another guy that never shuts up. <laughs> right. No, fun. he's got, he's got long speeches and boy, yeah. emotionally that guy goes and to the ringer. Yeah. And half the time you're talking to imaginary characters, the other people can't see. It's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one. And so I was going straight to, uh, play, um, Santa Claus and Elf, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Madison Square Garden, um, immediately from the um, death of a salesman, and I, I would stand there in the wing in death of a salesman, pooping my pants and just kind of going, "Get me into those Santa boots now, please!" <laughs> Here I've got this uh, the greatest, most difficult role. <laughs> <laughs> English speaking language is just the opposite of uh, norm, you know, just the easiest. Role. On the other hand, good for you for taking the challenge. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I also want to thank you. During the pandemic, uh, a number of sportscasters, Jason Benetti, who is my most recent guest, and uh, a no- number of others, we all got together and did a Zoom cheers reading. And you can see it on YouTube. You go to Sports Scene Cheers and you can find it. But we got you to play Norm. What was it like <laughs> playing Norm again after all this time? Uh, it was fun. I mean, you, you know, you, it's Norm is, you know, obviously just me with way better writing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was pretty easy. Um, but Benetti would crack me up consistently to what a deadpan. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, that must have been weird playing Cheers with all these other different actors. Yeah. <laughs> playing yeah. the part. Yeah. And, you know, the limitations of Zoom, like the delay on timing. Right. Everything was tough. Right. Yeah. Well, as the guy who played Man Who Said Sinatra, <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. it came off really well. Yeah. He, he had the better role. Uh, boy, the late, great Al Rosen. Al Rosen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and Phil Perlman sitting next to him had to elbow him when it was his cue. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know where he was. He was on bars. And <laughs> Phil Perlman would elbow him in the ribs and he'd go, Sinatra! <laughs> yeah, and Phil, who kind of became a regular, and we were giving him lines, too. Yeah. I remember one that, that we wrote where Lilith says to Sam, she's very downcast, and she said, uh, Sam, um, what drink would a loser drink? And Sam goes, Phil, what are you drinking? He goes, Manhattan. <laughs> Sam goes, Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. George, thank you so much. Sure. And uh, cheers. Yeah, thank you. See you soon. Bye. And our thanks to Norm. George Went from Cheers, who was my guest this week and last week. Again, if you missed last week's episode, now you can go back and check that out. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, to Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce and Jason Miller. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I am on Instagram, as is everybody, Hollywood and Levine. And you can find me on Twitter at Ken Levine. Thanks so much for listening. We will join you again next week. Got a great guest. If you are a fan of Mike Nichols, well, there was a great book called Mike Nichols, A Life that was written by Mark Harris. And Mark will be my guest. That is next week. Come back here. Hollywood and Levine. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered Internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.